Hello, and welcome to the Beautiful Feeling Podcast. Sydney Banks, the founder of the Three Principles Understanding, realized that when we live in a beautiful feeling, it teaches us everything we need to know, and that we never need to leave this. This is a profound spiritual truth. When we start to unlock this for ourselves, its transformational impact and reach are astonishing. I am your host, Rachel Singleton, and together with my guests, I will be exploring the grace and significance of this teaching over the course of 12 conversations. I recommend that you find a quiet place to listen. Allow the peaceful energy of these conversations to seep into your soul and find their beautiful way. And let this feeling teach you everything you need to know. I am delighted to start the podcast series with my interview with Dickon Bettinger. Dickon wasn't the first person I spoke to, but I wanted to put this episode first because it feels like such a gentle, playful and beautiful overview of this whole topic, of what it means to live in a beautiful feeling and the significance of this to the teachings of Sidney Banks. Dickon Bettinger is very well known in the Three Principles world. He came across Sid Banks in 1986 and was one of his original students. Prior to that, Dickon was already working in the field of psychology, having received a doctorate in counselling psychology. And since then, his entire career has focused on psychological well-being. He has brought the Three Principles understanding to thousands of people around the world. Dickon has a very loving energy, and I think that anyone who hears him or is in his presence gets that immediately. It comes through with such integrity and warmth. For me to spend this time with him discussing his favourite topic and mine has been an absolute joy. I hope that you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. A warm welcome, Dickon, to the Beautiful Feeling podcast. It's absolutely lovely to have you here with me today. It's delightful to be with you, Rachel, and uh, this topic around or living in the feeling of being is, is I, I think, currently a, it's my favorite topic because it's had the most impact on my life. Yeah, me too. It took me a while to realize that this was at the heart of Sid's teachings. Interesting, um, the heart, the heart yeah. of Sid's teaching. Is, yeah, it really is, isn't it? Yeah, sometimes he called that space within the spiritual heart. Not the physical heart, but the spiritual heart. Because it's, it's calm and awake and full of feeling that is what really lives us and guides us oh, so beautiful. that's how he talked about the heart yeah mm. yeah i mean the the podcast itself is kind of based on one particular phrase where he says that when we live in a beautiful feeling it will teach us everything we need to know yeah 
And then there's so many other ways he went on to describe that. But that's kind of been my anchor point for this series. Mm. This sense that there is this endless loving wisdom that we can rest in. And we can allow that to guide us in our lives. That we don't have to be thinking and plotting and strategizing yeah. and striving. But we can actually rest into something far bigger and I'd love to know what this has meant to you what your personal journey around this has been and what the impact of this has been on your life if we could start there and then see where we get to yeah I had been a psychologist for 10 years by the time I met Sid Banks and I had an awful lot of thinking about people and an awful lot of thinking about myself and an awful lot of doing and trying to become healthier. Because that was my focus as a psychologist from the very beginning was well-being. But I had a lot of thinking about what it meant to become, not be, but become healthier. So it was a lot of work. And when I went, when I had my very first introduction, the whole notion that every human being has perfect well-being already, always and already inside, and it can't be damaged because it's, pure energy, it's formless, it's spiritual. And I heard that personally. Dickin, you are not an exception. You are connected to this spiritual beauty, wisdom, love. And it's your very essence, it's your very nature, it always has been, it always will be. And in all the years I had been involved in psychology, I had never heard a single person say that before. And it was said with such certainty and conviction by Sid. No one in the world is wiser than you. You may not access that wisdom as directly as some people, but you have the same access as any other human being, and it's the same wisdom, the same love, and it's your essence. And when I heard that, Rachel, I just sat there and started to cry. I was so touched. I got, even with that, message, I sensed the truth of it. And it touched me very, very deeply. And that was the very first, if you will, insight I had, was I felt a shift inside myself of recognition. And then, not long after that, my, I heard that we live in the world of thought. As Sid would say, it's all thought 
from the moment you're born until you die, you are living in the experience of your thinking. No exceptions. That's how we work. And thought isn't just the mental activity. Thought is the spiritual power or force that generates life. And it's generating life within you. It's generating mental activity that is immediately turned into feeling. And that's where feelings come from. Well, I had my doctorate in psychological counseling and I had learned how to learn from my intellect. So I heard that and it, I said, okay, well that's, that, I, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But I hadn't heard it. <laughs> and it wasn't until one night I was in a hotel room where the training was being held. And I started thinking about a meeting that was a week later. And before I know it, I was really anxious. And for the first time, I caught myself thinking up anxiety. And the instant I saw it, there was, I immediately just dropped everything I was thinking because if that's causing my anxiety, why would I keep thinking it? And Sid would say later, if anyone really sees thought, really sees it in the moment, it'll bring you right back to the now. It'll bring you right back to a meditative state of mind of quiet, open presence. And... I went home so excited. And as a psychologist, I couldn't do any of the things I used to do with my clients. So I just had to say, well, I've been learning about something that's really powerful and simple and it's really affected me. And so I couldn't help but to talk about thought and innate well-being with my clients because that's all I knew at that point. And it, I would say, Rachel, I mean, I was really good at thinking about life in a way that made me anxious. I didn't even think of myself as a worrier. One time a friend says, you're such a worrier. I said, no, I'm not. I just think a lot about important things. <laughs> I couldn't see it. I did not see that I was thinking of anxiety. I just didn't see it. Here I am. I'd been a psychologist 10 years. I still didn't see that I was thinking of my experience. And there were no, it just was a new way of looking at life that this is true of everybody. And it's always been true and always will be true. We live in the world of thought-created experience. And that underneath all of our thinking is this inner well-being, this beautiful space that's always there in everybody. But we don't know that or we haven't recognized it. So I tried to share this with my kids, but... There were no books at that time and no tapes. And so I'd see him in a low mood and I'd run up to him and say, oh, it's just thought. <laughs> 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 
and they, oh god it, it's it, they put up with it for about two weeks and then my daughter <laughs> and my and my son came to me and said dad this is my daughter nina she's 13 going on 14 dad ben and i have been talking <laughs> and if you say one more word to us about thought or moods we're gonna run away <laughs> And I went, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't want to turn you off to this. I'm so excited about it. But, And then it just came out of my mouth. This is another way wisdom works. It just came to mind, and I said it. I said, I promise I'll never say another word about this unless you ask me. And talk about wisdom, because rather than just try to teach it, intellectually to my kids it forced me to walk the talk and live it and after six months they had seen how much i had changed yeah i lost probably 60 percent of my worried thinking if not more and i became much less preoccupied and more present and more and sillier more playful, more <laughs> lighthearted, rather than, oh, kids, don't bother me. I've got a lot of stuff to figure out, and I got a lot of work on myself to be doing, so <laughs> maybe we can play later, right? And suddenly it's like I had more energy than they did, and they're going, oh, Dad, we've had a hard day at school. <laughs> <laughs> But they saw me change, and, and so after about six months, they each in their own way opened the conversation again. It's sort of like, Dad, what's going on? What can you, can you help me with this or that? And I knew it was an open invitation to begin to share, but now I was just sharing little, little bits of what I was seeing or what was helping me. Rather than trying to help them, I was sharing how this divine wisdom was beginning to inform my life and make changes and bring more love and understanding to the foreground rather than preoccupation with my own personal thinking. And then my daughter had a massive insight. She had a jump that blew my wife out of the water. Uh, it was overnight how much she changed at 14. And every single one of our friends said, oh my God, what has happened to Nina? Because she went from a very sensitive and emotional and dramatic 13-year-old to suddenly she was like a 40-year-old woman, poised, confident, clear, enthused, alive. She would get upset and she'd say, Dad, I can't keep it going even if I try now. And my upsets never last for more than 10 minutes. So suddenly here's this teenager 
who's, who's saying, I get upset, I just get quiet, I know it'll pass, I leave it alone, and I get over it. And it was mind-blowing. Uh, it used to take two or three days for her to get over an upset, and she would hold what she thought responsible. Like if we said no to her, she would say, you are making me miserable. And suddenly she's going, oh my God, Dad, I'm the one thinking this stuff up. I'm the one thinking this stuff up. So I watched this, the gradual insights I had about this make such a difference within six months in my life. And then I watched overnight how my daughter changed. And then I watched my wife and son become very interested. And then I started seeing that my clients that I used to work six months to two years with, I was seeing maybe three sessions to 10 sessions max. And they were changing in a more fundamental lasting way. And I'm going, oh my God, there's really something to this. And within four years of sharing this with clients in my practice, I left this group practice to open a center that was the first center in the Northeast of the United States. You'd have to go to Minnesota or Joe Bailey and Chris Heath, or you'd have to go down to Florida, uh, Roger Mills and Sandy Crod and a bunch of people down there to find anybody who had heard anything about these principles, several thousand miles in either direction, basically, to find anybody else who had been hearing about these universal principles. And so I, I said, I have to open this center and share this and pretty soon I'm blown away because people all over the United States are hearing about a health-based approach to awakening to your well-being and so people started coming from all over to learn this and then that just was the very beginning is pretty soon we had the annual conference in Burlington, Vermont, where I was living, and 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 then the word started really spreading, and I joined a national faculty um, of people who had successful practices teaching the three principles, and we started putting together programs to take into the cities all over the U.S., foundation courses, we called them. And, uh, and then it just, it just took off from there to where it is now as a global outreach. So it's, it certainly had an impact. And my life, my wife and I, and my kids, and now their kids, we all live in deep gratitude that we came across this teaching, mm -hmm. and that I had the great fortune of spending 
23 years being mentored by Sid Banks mm. before he died 12 years ago. So mm. 30, I don't know, it was like 35 years ago I met Sid. Mm. I was listening to something recently, not that you necessarily did it recently. It was um, a conversation that was on the 3PGC website in the membership resources and you talk in there about the just the pure feeling of love when in Sid's presence and how moved you were by that right from the start how you know as I was listening to you my sense was not that you'd remembered words at that point but that you'd being deeply touched at the level of feeling. Sid was the most ordinary man I had met. He's so down to earth. He, he thought of himself, he would laugh and say, I'm a reti retired welder, you know, uh, ninth grade education. Uh, I have no idea why I had this enlightenment experience, but And when he had that experience of going into this light and just merging with the energy of the universe, if you will, and realizing its essential nature, he thought it was pretty ordinary. He said, I just for about four seconds fell out of my thought system completely. I went beyond the influence of all concepts, ideas, and beliefs. And there was just presence. And it was vast and infinite energy. And it was dynamic and alive. And it was a creative potential thought. It was uh, uh, pure awareness consciousness and it was a uh, oneness everything form and formless were all part of the same dancing field of energy and the experience was of love and in his presence because he became so deeply present and was then sitting in an openness to this field of energy of the universe, this wide open receptivity to that field. And it came through him as presence, as, as radiance, as what some people experience as light or pure love that in his presence while he talked about this and pointed people toward it it was sort of like the tuning fork phenomenon there's one tuning fork is going you put another one next to it and it starts to vibrate the same way well sitting in his presence it i discovered that it was hard to think about anything. So my usual go-to, my intellect was temporarily suspended because he's saying over and over again to discover your true self, to discover 
your well-being to discover an unconditional love that's indescribable to discover your spiritual nature. You have to go beyond the words. You have to go beyond all concepts, all beliefs, into this space within of quiet. And you will always find in that space silence and a feeling. The experience of that is very different than thinking about it. <laughs> it's like falling in love is very different than thinking about love. It literally was falling into this heart space. And people throughout the room listening to Sid were falling into this. And you could see evidence. People were just sitting there, just tears would be coming down their face. They just have this beatific smile on their face. And always the couples, they'd start holding hands or the arms would go up around each other and they'd look at each other like they looked at each other when they first fell in love. And it's like going, what is going on? And he's saying my message is incredibly simple. It's incredibly simple. Because my experience of this was incredibly simple. We live in the world of thought when we realize that that's where our tension, stress, and upset comes from. It wakes us back up into a state where we're not holding any thought in mind, what he called the state of no thought or pure thought. Another way of using our minds is resting in pure thought. And that space is pure consciousness, is awareness free of the contamination of your conceptual mind. And it's a feeling. If you drop into that space, there must arise something beautiful within your experience. None of this makes sense until people experience the simple truth of that, because then it's no longer intellectual. It's insight becomes not waiting for a good idea, but dropping into this inside space in, and then seeing the world from that space. And as looking at the world through that feeling is you're in love looking at the world where it says a different kind of love where you fall in love with the whole world because you're in love looking through the eyes of love and seeing love. And to ex just get a little glimpse of that, just a teeny glimpse. I didn't experience what is called enlightenment, but I got a glimpse of what Sid saw that he said is so ordinary. And he believed every single human being, no matter who they were or what their past has been or what they've been through or what their current circumstances, had the potential right now, they're a thought away from disengaging from the intellect and resting in this state of presence. And that when any human being rests in the state of presence, this deeper intelligence divine mind will bring 
feelings that uplift, feelings of well-being, and new and fresh thinking, new and fresh perspective. No exception. No exception because well-being and wisdom arise from the spiritual dimension of life, the formless energy of life. It's not in the body or in the brain. It, it's what creates human experience, not what is created by this power, this force. So he says, really simple, anytime, at any moment, any human being can wake up out of the conceptual mind, rest in the presence that's always here, that we are, and there'll be quiet and a feeling in that space. This is so beautiful. One of the things that I'm struck by as we're talking is how this is navigational, you know, that we can feel when we're getting caught up in our thinking because we move out of beautiful feelings. You know, it's so simple. It seems almost too simple. And I so often hear people when they first come across this understanding, go to the place of trying to work out their thinking. Yeah. And and it can look for a time as if that's what you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I tried that. I tried that. Rachel. I tried that too. <laughs> and it really isn't, it really isn't true. Yeah, and it definitely isn't the, true. <laughs> the breakthrough for me was I was, initially as I was training in the three principles, I had this incredible settling down inside, like nothing I'd ever experienced in that sustained way before. And all my anxiety, like you, I can really relate to what you were saying. I was a very anxious person. I held a lot of tension in my body and I was hypervigilant. And I, I didn't know any of that. I kind of knew I was anxious. I did not know the extent of it. I really didn't understand that until it just fell away and and I just felt so damn good <laughs> and I just felt so <laughs> at ease and so calm and and then a few months later and I can't remember what it was that kind of caused the change but I suddenly found myself in a lot of really old really busy really painful thinking and and I wasn't well at the time, I had flu and, oh, I just felt like I was under attack from my own self, you know, it's like in my head was the most uncomfortable place to be. And so I was kind of doing battle, you know, I was kind of thinking, well, I shouldn't be having thoughts like this, I don't need to have thoughts like this, I don't need to think thoughts like this, you know, and I was trying to find every which way out of it. And then I just suddenly realized I'm having thoughts like this yeah. and it's okay. I'm, I'm yeah. here. There's another me that isn't having those thoughts that is utterly okay behind this. And 
and that whilst that was going on, I might feel quite vulnerable and I could take care of myself in that vulnerability. And just the kindness of that and the simplicity of that was so, mm. so new that I knew that that was the place to lean into. I knew that was what, that was all I needed to listen to, that kindness, that softness. And within an hour or so, all of that thinking just fell away and the clouds lifted and the sky was blue again. And, and then it felt like I just settled into this peacefulness at such a deep level. Mm. And people started to notice and people started to ask about it. And I had no way of explaining anything about what was going on. <laughs> I just said, I'm learning about something that's changing my life. And I can't mm. explain it. And I don't know what's happening. And they said, I don't think you need to explain it. It's just really nice to hang out with you. <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is that's nice yeah it's uh, so powerfully palpably present that people get it instantly without without words yeah it can't be explained sid banks would say i can't explain this i can do my best to point people toward this space where they can experience it but they have to look there they have to drop into that space to go, oh yeah, oh yeah, here it is. It's just an ordinary sense of presence and it's characterized by this quiet, lively feeling. And since you're since when that happens for people, they're beyond their conceptual mind. They're not labeling. There really is, at that moment, no label for that. If you come back into your intellect, you could label it. Oh, it's calm, it's peaceful, it's warm, it's soft, it's tender, it's light, it's peace, it's joy, it's love. But in the direct experience of that, there is no label. And I don't need, I would, I didn't even feel inclined to have to put a label on it. So Sid would just say, it's just, at most, he might say, well, it's just a nice feeling. A metaphor that I like, Rachel, is sort of, if you have pure light, hit a triangle crystal it throws out an array of rainbow. And this life force of pure love is just life energy and it hits the human mind and then it breaks forth as sometimes it's peaceful, sometimes it's determined, sometimes is compassion, sometimes is love, sometimes. It, so Sid would say, they're just, it's a beautiful feeling. Or they're beautiful feelings that our very nature is love. And if it hits the prism and it's clouded by concepts that are limiting or negative, it changes the light 
even though that light is still there and it's pure inside. But so Sid would talk about contaminated mind and pure mind. Or he'd say pure thought, free of content thought, original thought is love. Pure consciousness, free of the contamination of concepts, just awareness itself is love. Pure mind, the sense of connection and unity we experience at those moments is love. So that the answers for us as human beings lie in this feeling. So if you have difficulties or problems, come home. That's why I use that metaphor in my book, come home, which means drop into the not knowing space of presence. And it's quiet and there's a feeling. And in that feeling, there's knowing, wisdom is a formless intelligence that guides us effortlessly when we're in that feeling. And I've found that to be true. Even when I was in a war zone where I thought I was going to die, I dropped into presence and I was, I was, not my ego, the true I was making life and death decisions that guided me through that circumstance and went on for a week. I was in a war zone thinking I'd never see my family again. Wisdom is always available to us in any circumstance. That's why they say in case of emergency, stay calm because out of a calm mind comes common sense. So I used to tell my daughter, okay, you're 16 now and before you leave home, I just, there's three things that I've always just wanted you to get a sense of. One is that all your experience is created from thought because anybody who sees that in the moment naturally drops the thoughts that are creating their tension, stress, or upset. Why would I keep thinking about this if it makes me feel miserable? If it's my thinking creating this experience. And that's where resilience comes from. And Nina, right now, at 16, you are incredibly resilient. I also wanted you to learn that in a quiet mind, you'll always access beautiful feelings of one sort or another. It's our nature. It's available to us no matter what the circumstances. They're unconditional feelings of well-being. They're not dependent upon circumstance. And the third thing I wanted you to know before you left home is that in those feelings, you will be guided without having to figure out what to do. You'll have all the common sense you need to deal with anything life brings your way. I realize that those are the, in a sense, the flowering of the three principles for any human being. So then I wanted every one of my clients to know those three things. And now I'm on the three principle global community where we're working to help everybody in the world 
to come to a better understanding of it's all thought. Beyond thought is a state of pure consciousness that's filled with where our senses come alive and we feel the feeling of being in that state is is beautiful and in those beautiful feelings there's knowing, there's knowledge, there's guidance, there's wisdom. And it's so ordinary and it's been operating our whole life and we haven't been aware of it. I, I like to say to people, when you drive a car, if you think too much, you're going to have accidents. So you have to become somewhat present. And in that presence, this wisdom is operating perfectly because it's making life and death decisions for you without you having to intellectually figure it out or think about it beforehand. So your hand is continually making adjustments. It's this deeper intelligence is living us. It's what allows us to walk across a room when we're present and not bump into furniture. Or when I used, when I do trail running, it's what allows me to run on the trail without stumbling over every rock and tree root in the path. It's a knowing. It's what allows me in a family crisis that when I get present and don't have a clue what to say or do, words still come to mind to say, or I suddenly find my body standing up and moving toward or away. It's always this wisdom is there behind the scenes living us. Yeah. That, that's so beautiful, you sharing that with Nina and then that being the basis of what you're sharing and what you're seeing. I'm, I'm struck by the fact that it is really ordinary and, and natural. And yet, when I think of my life pre-3Ps, <laughs> and, then, and then sins, it's also extraordinary. Yeah, it it's is. In the ordinary is the extraordinary. Yeah. Yes, and it yeah. feels same life, same ingredients, but my goodness, it feels... Mm -hmm. Totally different. It's it yeah. is scintillating and open and fresh and there's there's an availability, you know, there's a permissiveness, there's a this sense of constantly expanding and seeing more and there being endlessly more to see. It's mm. it's mystical, it's it's like everything is imbued with love and meaning. You know, it's it's delicate, it's robust, it's it's extraordinary. Hmm. It's lovely that in spiritual traditions they often say in the ordinary is the sacred. And in Tibetan Buddhism, for example, they say that this mind free of conceptualization that has access to that but isn't rooted in that is full of luminosity, lightness of being, and it's what they call ordinary mind. So in the ordinary is 
the extraordinary. Because Sid would say to us over and over again, this is just ordinary. You think, you can become aware of the fact that you think. That awareness brings you back into the now naturally. And when you're resting in the now, this deeper intelligence will bring you exactly what you need in that moment to thrive. And you're, it's mystical because you're tapping into and aligning yourself with the power that creates and governs the universe. So you can't you can't get much when when the ordinary it, it's like saying to a wave, listen, it's no big deal. You think you're a little wave and you're really insecure about that. You compare yourself to all these other big waves. But look down. As Sid would say, look within or go within, step within. Go beyond your thinking to that space. And then tell me what you see. And it's going, oh my God, I'm the ocean. <laughs> that's when I that's when I started to cry when I when I touched that space and realized I am connected to the universe in a way that well being is our nature. And it seemed both, oh yeah, so true, and oh my God. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> In Zen Buddhism, they say that, that experience, it's empty and it's marvelous. <laughs> yes. So I like, I like your pointing that out, Rachel. That's, it really is ordinary, extraordinary, simultaneously. The, the mystical nature of it allows the ordinary to become sacred. And just the practical nature of it which you've alluded to in so many ways as we've been speaking you know I've, I've felt that even today my day had the potential to be so busy and messy there were so many things happening at so many levels and yeah and you know in the midst of it needing to get my car back from the garage and oh you know and then and then it suddenly around midday I found myself quite tired and quite snoozy and I thought well I'm just going to be tired and snoozy for half an hour and just have a rest and let myself settle and half an hour later I went out and let the dog out and found somebody working on our neighbor's fence who could take me down to get the car and clear up my whole day and I don't know this person I've never spoken to them before it just occurred to me to ask them <laughs> and they, and they <laughs> happen to be going down there and it's and I just had this knowing as I settled down to have that rest that something would come to me, that I didn't need to take care of any of the details. And the only thing that was making my day busy was the thought that I had to take care of the details. And it it just got spacious again. And, and that just feels like these everyday miracles of handing it over, moving away from thinking and letting, knowing, guide me, letting good sense guide me, letting a fresh thought guide me, letting space open up for something other than what I think should happen to appear in there. And it's like some master Rachel 
comes in and waves <laughs> magic wand. Mysteries. <laughs> this that superwoman inside comes yeah. out and it's like whoa it's like we have this superpower in its presence yeah yeah i joke with a friend of mine i don't do very well when i'm trying to deal with things but sometimes the other guy shows up and it works out great yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's starting to get our ego self out of the way and then this loving knowing compassionate force comes through and it is ordinary it really it really really is ordinary i can be in a horrible low mood and if i wake up to it immediately i can be kind mm. it's that instantaneous it's it's like in seattle they say today you can expect cloud breaks and it's cloudy all day and then they part just a little bit and um, it's immediate that light breaks through and it's we can be in the the biggest thought storm ever and a moment of pure presence is enough for that light of wisdom that light of love to shine through and just like the sun it brings warmth and it brings nourishment that inner light Light has been used as a metaphor for pure consciousness for centuries. Because when I'm caught up in thought, there's contraction. So some, Sid would say that's ego, is holding thought in mind in a contracted way. He says ego is fear. Fear is contraction. And the waking up, and the release of the thoughts that create the contraction, it's just energy, so then it starts to radiate and expand. So beautiful feelings are, it's just life energy expanding through the human system. And it's, since we're all made of that energy, there's no one that isn't capable of aligning ourselves in a way that our, the energy coming through us is expansive rather than contained and held and as my wife says well you're either caught up in thought or you're not caught up just means there's holding on to an idea or a belief or a concept you think is true and when you realize it's just thought there's the natural release and that thought just is energy the thought is energy the feeling is energy so the thought dissolves and expands the feeling opens and expands which is why we can go from being upset to feeling different about something in a in a flash yeah and that that contracting in takes such energy as well it's it's in yeah. that moment we see it and that releases that moment of seeing that moment of lifting our consciousness where we become aware of what we're in is already us moving out of it and then then that energy is released for us rather than against us we're not trying to push ourselves down and hold ourselves in and listening to this seemingly responsible <laughs> busy <laughs> voice that is telling yeah. us what to do we're we're back in being, and there's a flood of energy that comes with that. 
a flood of energy. That's beautiful, Rachel. Really beautiful. Love what you're saying. That's my doggy outside barking. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, well, maybe this is a good place to finish. Is there anything else that you feel you want to say or add before we complete? I don't know, it seems like we've been saying that people have everything they need already. To navigate through. I used to think I had to figure out how to navigate through life. And I found out when I surrender and let go of everything I'm thinking, that wisdom is what navigates us through life, not our intellect. And wisdom will utilize anything from the intellect that's helpful, but we are being lived and guided and mentored by this knowing, this feeling. And they go hand in hand, but it's in everybody. It's in everybody. I've, and from talking with people in prisons and helping them with this, talking to people that have spent their whole lives in mental institutions, that everybody is connected to this life energy and either, either we're open and receptive to its movement through us or we innocently get caught up in ideas that we then think are true and that, in a sense, uh, blocks that energy and it gets tight in it takes a lot of energy out of us to try and hold that river of feeling back. Just like when you, your hand is meant to be open, it's meant to close, but if you hold it tight for a long time, it takes so much energy and it, it starts hurting psychologically when we hold on to beliefs that are judgmental about ourselves or the world, we start suffering or fearful thoughts, hold those, we start suffering. And when we wake up to that, thank God for those feelings. Thank God for, that was one of the most powerful insights I had. Thank God for stress and upset. It lets me know I'm holding thought in mind in a way that's not helpful and that there's only one cure. And that's being open to this wisdom that will live us perfectly, like in your story with your car. It's just that practical yeah. or dealing with anything. So yeah, yeah, we have beautiful. everything, everybody, everybody is connected. Everybody is that ocean. And we just get suffering when we get caught up in thinking we're just the the form, the, the little wave. Yeah, and I love the hope in this, the, the pointing to the fact that the fear and the stress itself is also useful. It's also navigational. I was 
I had an email from a friend earlier today saying she'd been on the rumble strips for a couple of days and things were feeling a bit uncomfortable and <laughs> and tense and and I and my immediate response was having just come off the rumble strip myself for a couple of days yeah. I was thinking yeah but that's actually where we get to see some more of our invisible thinking you know we come across a little pocket of it where it's still operating in us in another area and yeah and we see how unpleasant it is to be in that rather than in that vast expansiveness of life energy and when we open to that and we remember that that's what we swim in that's what we are that's it it's so beautiful to, to as you say come home yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So I want to thank you so much. I also want to highly recommend to anyone listening who hasn't read your book, Coming Home Already, that they do so. <laughs> and if people wanted to get in touch with you or reach out to you, how might they do that? Uh, there's two ways, I think. One is people can email me at dickon.bettinger at gmail.com. And the other is I have a YouTube channel now that has so many of my talks. I had a friend from Argentina who's masterful at this, put it together. And it's, it, um, it's been a resource for an awful lot of people that and have found, found it helpful because the talks get organized too in different topics and subjects and different titles. So. That's another that's another way to hear hear more of how I've been seeing the principles from all that time hanging out with these teachings thirty five years. So. Yeah. Thank you. And I can share that in the show notes as well. Well, thank you so much, Dickon. It's been a real joy and a real pleasure and a really beautiful conversation to have today. Rachel, you're a delight. I love listening to you. I felt like we're going to fool people and you can tell people that you were interviewing me, but I felt like I was interviewing you and that you should put this out as here's Rachel talking about living in the beautiful feeling. Oh, <laughs> I love being a listener of your show. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. If you would like to leave a review or some feedback, that would be wonderful and will help us to spread the word. To find out more about today's speaker, please look in the show notes. And if you want to know more about the work that I'm doing or connect with me further, then you'll find me at rachelsingleton.com. Thank you again and have a lovely day.